When you're going through the process of trying to get in shape, you go through weeks at a time where you feel like you're not seeing any changes or you're not seeing the results that you want. You can't skip steps. And then you put in two, three months of just consistent hard work and you've committed to doing more of the good things. And you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, the progress I've made just through incrementally every day taking a step in the right direction has led me to this. There's so many things to do. There's so there's only so much time in a day. There's so many opportunities out there. But what is the thing you're going to do right now or today or this week that's going to move the needle? This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to Decentralized Radio. We got Harry from the Meme Mafia on the line. What's up, man? What is up, gents? We're long overdue here. Yeah, I know. It's like we had to space out you and Brett like long enough, but then I was like, oh, we, you know, I wanted to do it, but then it's like, oh, we need to talk to Harry for sure. So it makes sense. perfect. Yeah, we yeah. can't have too much me mafia in like one short time frame. It, it's easy to overdo it. Uh, but yo, before we get going, I just want to congratulate you guys on crushing with a pod. You guys have been ripping it. We're trying. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like to see you guys, especially it's definitely a big inspiration because, you know, we talk about similar topics, but also kind of just, you know, what are you trying like on social media platforms? Like what sort of videos you post clips, like all these things. It's cool to like draw inspiration from somewhere. So yeah, thanks. And and thanks for, for paving the path a little bit as well. Dude. I mean, I, I just, Podcasting is a medium that I never would have expected myself to to go down. But on the other side of it, there's just there's so much that you can do with a, a podcast platform and some curiosity. And um, yeah, our show is definitely a testament to that. Just like kind of scratching the itch of wanting to do something creative and not really having a plan at the beginning. But it seems like you guys definitely had a um, strong direction at the beginning. And it's it's awesome to see what you guys have built. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because like for me, I I have a background in in video because that's like my main job is like actually YouTube and video and stuff like that. But I, I never really, I was always scared to do podcasting because I know my own mouth and it <laughs> tends to, it tends to screw itself a lot. Um, there's lots of videos I've had to take down from my old channel because of fear of coming to bite me the last couple of years even yeah. though probably wouldn't, I was never like a massive star or anything, but you always have that in the back of your mind in the professional space of like, Oh man, people can't see what I did in 2016. Cause yeah. that was kind of messed up, but, uh, it's a lot of fun. I like it cause it's free form. And I, I actually like that there's some mistakes, um, because yeah. it shows the, the vulnerability in people. And I think, I think it's the best. It, there's no, there's no hiding stuff here. Um, I rarely cut stuff out. Um, in in the podcast, maybe because I'm partially lazy, but um, also because I think I think it's sometimes you just got to like show your true self. Plus, I like to listen back and learn how bad of a speaker I still am, so that I can be like, oh, I gotta stop saying stop saying um or and like a thousand times in the same sentence. Dude, I'm still working through that. It's it's a process. It's it's crazy though. You say that like 
you don't you guys don't cut anything out. I think we've only cut out two things from all the podcasts that we've done. And it was by the request of the people on the show. But I think it's the best. It just speaks to why podcasting is the best. You see all the different sides of someone and how they speak about a topic, not just what they're saying, but how they're saying it, which is not the case when you see short form clips on Instagram and things that are just highly manicured. So that's, I mean, that's one of the many reasons why I love it too. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about that too, Ryan, because like right now it's, it seems like there's an even more trend and I know you guys are on YouTube and Ryan and I were just talking about this. It's like, Oh, like, I think we could easily be like heavily censored a lot in the next, in the future. And now it's like Nina Tykoltz is talking about how, you know, carnivore keto things are getting like down regulated in the algorithm. I'm, I'm curious, Harry, if you guys have thought about that, because Ryan, I was telling Ryan, I was like, yeah, we need to put all our stuff like on rumble and, you know, maybe try and do something else or just as a backup, because it, it seems to be getting worse, um, with YouTube, especially. Yeah. So that was actually the impetus for us starting the podcast was I was worried about censorship on Twitter. So I was like, let's just start building out another medium for us to have an audience and start to have some more meaningful, meaningful conversations and, you know, develop relationships with people in the space that we wanted to be in. But I saw Nina's post the other day, and it, it sparked that same fear of, you know, you work so hard to put good information out there, information that's accessible and at least, you know, an honest take on trying to understand what's happening in the world. And then, you know, you, you hear about the algorithm changes that are happening. Like they're, I forget exactly what Nina posted it. It was something around like sunlight needing to be like, it was, it was like the keyword was basically sunlight and how it like has positive effects on your health and that that was being censored. Um, so it's just, it's crazy to think the power that these platforms have um, there's obviously like so much opportunity in terms of building something on these platforms. But at the end of the day, if they want to downregulate you, like we saw it happen. It happened during mm-hmm. COVID, like Car- uh, uh, Carnivore MD, Paul Saladino, he worked through it, but his accounts were getting flagged. Sean Baker's accounts were getting flagged. And they were obviously, they were saying things that were contrarian to what the mainstream narrative wanted uh, people hearing. And yeah, it makes you wonder, like right now is definitely the perfect time to start cracking down on all the different voices out there who are trying to promote free speech. Um, it's It should be everyone's fear, in my opinion. Like this is now, now like the rails of communication are open, but they're open through basically four platforms. And if those four platforms can systematically be like, hey, we're just going to crack down on all things keto, carnivore, and and limit the reach of people who are talking about this it opens the opportunity for a platform like rumble to get popular. Um, so I think it makes sense to start posting stuff on there. We'll definitely start doing that in the future. We've, we've had good conversations with people like Adam Curry, who's doing value for value in like it's true nature. And, um, I think there's so much power in, in trying to build a platform like that, where you're not reliant on these platforms to control, like whether or not you get paid at the end of end of the day, whether or not, Mm-hmm. your message reaches an audience like all of those things are controlled by four platforms basically yeah yeah and actually it's funny you mentioned that too because um on august 15th youtube came out with a new um health 
misinformation policy where they're basically going to remove content that contradicts health authority guidance is what they say. So CDC stuff and uh, Dr. Berg, who's a big keto guy, has like 11 million subscribers, made a video about this. He had a really funny bit at the beginning where he had duct tape over his mouth and he peeled it off. It was kind of cringy because he's not really like a entertainer per se, but but his message is, is true. And everyone's seen like the Dr. Mercola stuff. That, and I talk about this a lot with um, my um, my boss because he's in the YouTube business space and he works with a lot of usually high end entrepreneurs or business owners that want to expand their business, whether a lawyer or a functional doctor or chiropractic or whatever, they want to expand their business on YouTube as a platform. And he'll have conversations with them a lot about this. And I think we have some differing opinions on sort of how you want to handle that because you have the Dr. Mercola's who are like unwilling to bend in any shape or form. So they get booted and then they have to drive traffic to their own website as sort of the last ditch effort. Cause that's where you control the platform. Um, but then Google can downregulate where you show up in the search as well. And so you're sort of like attacked on all fronts. And I think you have to make that decision of like, okay, how much information do I want to share here? If I want to thrive here or do I not care? And I'm willing to take the hit. And still have those who are um, loyal to the cause sort of tune in because they'll know how, where I'm at and how to find me. Um, but luckily, I think we have platforms like like Twitter or X or whatever that is still pretty open. And like uh, you can still communicate pretty freely with your audience. I, I'd like to know your thoughts on how you've been able to do that there. But it's a difficult thing to navigate because it's like there's... It's it's sort of like trial and error. You kind of just got to find out what what's going to work and what's not going to work, and how far you're willing to go, or maybe what topics you're willing to cut out. Um, you know what I mean? Because it's a little tough. It's kind of hard to navigate. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a challenge, and I feel like Brett and myself have been a bit reckless in terms of like not really putting a filter on anything across all the different platforms. Which I just like, frankly, if someone's going to like downregulate us or whatever, I don't really. I don't necessarily care to put too much thought into that because I, I do feel pretty com- confident about Twitter remaining a space where you can sh- openly share uh, at least like information, like what Nina was worried about on YouTube and, and Instagram. Like I, I think that Twitter will kind of continue to be a safe space for that. And luckily we started off on Twitter. That's where our biggest following is. So um, I still, I think that'll be like the last, if there is like a crackdown, Twitter will always kind of be the last one. I think, like Tucker Carlson going on on Twitter and kind of shaking things up in the media space is a good sign. Uh, there's obviously like a better world out there in the world of like Rumbler and some of these more value to value for value, true like no censorship places. But the audiences that you know you're trying to reach, the bigger audiences that you know maybe you can start to bridge people's thinking. They're all just on these bigger platforms, whether it's YouTube and Instagram. So it is frustrating when, you know, you're trying to reach people who maybe are open to the idea of changing the way they're thinking about things. I know like social media has obviously played a big part in my own thinking, like finding Twitter and starting to come across ideas that resonated with me was a huge part of me just like taking the steps I've taken to start the Meat Mafia and start different things that we're working on. So it's it's a shame that like some of these platforms are choosing to do that. But ultimately, I think that ends up biting them in the ass. Like there's a massive group of people that will go to any end to support free speech and they'll they'll move platforms if that's the case. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, 
it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah, it's it's this weird balance between like there's finally some competition in this space after it being monopolized for so long, but yeah. there's still this really outweighed effect of just audience on, you know, because there are startup competitors. Like there's nobody on Rumble. There's nobody on Noster in comparison to Twitter and YouTube. But now that there are alternatives, it gives people the option if they do get so fed up or if, you know, the main influencers, content creators do start shifting. It's like, oh, okay, well, there is actually some alternative. So I'm pretty, I've been learning and using Noster a lot more. Actually, I might do a podcast uh, later today or tomorrow on Noster. And that's like not just a Twitter killer or Twitter alternative. That's like a whole slew of alternatives, potentially. It's like the whole protocol, which is fascinating. So, but there's like 500,000 users. So <laughs> it's like, you know, right now it's small, but when there's, it's, it's just cool seeing this competition. Like, you know, it's like Jack Dorsey versus Elon versus Zuckerberg making threads. Like it's clearly that has the attention of, of all these billionaires and it's finally a competitive marketplace again, which I think can only benefit the end user and end producers instead of just being forced to a platform. So I'm kind of excited to see how it plays out. But for us, it's like, you know, where do we spend most of our time? Where do we, you know, hedge our bets in terms of like putting content out there? Because you can easily overwhelm yourself trying to be on all the platforms. But yeah, and I think that's where we've... Early on, our idea was basically just own one platform that you believe in. And we felt like Twitter was the the place for us to at least carve out an audience where we had essentially just figured out that our writing style resonated with people. The topics we were talking about was was resonating with people. And so instead of trying to be like, well, now we just need to dive headfirst into Instagram and YouTube, we just doubled down on what was working. I think it's a big takeaway from what we've done. It's like, if you can just go a mile deep on one or two things, it ends up creating more opportunities than trying to spread yourself too thin. Um, yeah. And, and to the, to the point on the, the platform censorship too, I ultimately feel like if you're a believer in free speech, like free speech is where all the value exchange is happening. These platforms that are going to suppress it, they're going to end up having the most boring platforms of all time that don't create any value for people and don't drive any meaningful conversations of interest. And I think over a long enough period of time, if you play that out, the technology that wins is the technology that allows people to speak freely and create value for other people. And that's going to be like the the Nostra protocol is, it's so much more valuable than what's out there right now. So I think if you just allow enough time to pass, like people will find that it just, it's it's uh being so early and seeing how it how it could all play out. I think like you have to almost think of it in that way, or it's like if they just keep suppressing people being able to think freely on their platforms, eventually it's gonna become this like terrible platform to be on. Yeah, it's like 
truth resonates at the end of the day. And if yeah. not, it's just going to be a giant echo chamber of, you know, all the woke people just like, you know, sacrificing all their free will for the the better good of society. Right. What so, I think about it, I think about it this way too, is like, if you think about Netflix as a streaming service, there was a time when Netflix was like the big dog and everyone was like, how are you going to beat Netflix? Um, but now there's so many and Netflix has actually gone like down a notch and had to raise prices and all sorts of stuff because of competition and everyone's theorized about like competition with YouTube and stuff. And like, is it even possible now? And I think, I think that it actually is, it's just like going to take time and multiple people to try stuff because the further they push, we saw this during COVID too, the further people push on people's whatever, whether it's censorship or whatever, there's going to be a large amount of those people that now we know push back. So there's going to be something. You just got to stay in the game. Yeah. Do you guys think media? Because I, I think this is a, an important trend to like try to understand. Do you think media is centralizing or decentralizing right now? I think half of it is centralizing and then the alternatives yeah. are are pulling it back. So overall, yeah. in terms of maybe like median from a median perspective, it's decentralizing, but from a mean perspective, it's it's centralizing because the big players have a far higher weight and they're probably becoming more centralized, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if you look at news, it's like like centralized news organizations or whatever, like CNN, all those people, they're doubling down while other people are, are moving out. But it always it's funny too, because if you look historically at, Anybody that's done those sort of things, it almost never wins out by doubling down. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I think there's a lot of opportunity out there and opportunity to be made. So I'm pretty optimistic about it, actually. Yeah. Well, and then you also see, like, who's still tuning into CNN and Fox and all Not these old people. people. Exactly. So it's yeah. like the future is, in my opinion, definitely moving towards that decentralized podcasting type of media where people, individuals are now able to um, create their own forms of media, which is pretty powerful. Um, Yeah. And I think that's actually what's cool about some of these new curated formats like Nostra, for example, is the like Twitter X is awesome, but I have so many people always telling, you know, just on their time, they're like, I don't even see half the shit that I want to see. And I think that becomes like an issue with some of these large platforms. I'm sure that's happened to you guys too, because, you know, you get a lot of followers from like these threads that just blow up and then, you know, it kind of, the algorithm just does what it does. And, you know, half the time I don't even see like the people's posts. Like, I don't even see like a lot of your guys posts. And I'm like, Oh, I want to see their stuff. So you have to go to like the following tab and then you have to maybe like, like manually go and like some of the meat mafia stuff. So that it shows back up. So I think there's yeah. some issues with that. And I think that's something that maybe these more decentralized platforms can can improve upon, really. It, it feels like the, and the algorithm has definitely changed, but since Elon's taken over, there's been some changes. And I don't even necessarily think it's like them attacking anyone's reach, but I do think that the way they're trying to get people to operate on the platform is to see the content that they're engaging with the most. And like, I found myself creating a bunch of content, but then not going through and really like commenting on other people's stuff or liking other people's stuff. And so then I look at my feed, I'm like, I'm like, where's Tristan? Like, (laughs) what, you know what I mean? So, uh, and before it felt like it, there was kind of like an organic flow to 
like everyone that I wanted to see was popping up on my timeline timeline, even if I wasn't necessarily commenting or liking on all their stuff. Um, so yeah, I think you just have to be adaptable and obviously they're making changes on the back end that there's some oscillation to just how they're trying to present the information that, you know, other people that you follow are, are uh, getting put in front of you. So, um, yeah, there's definitely been moments where I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm not getting any reach and I'm putting some good, good stuff out there. And I think it's partially just some of the changes on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird to understand how that's all going more it seems like x twitter is just trying to become more of like a do it all app so that's why video yeah. content is, is more prioritized which is good um it's cool that we could probably post more more podcast clips there um in general but i'm curious to get in maybe more specifics about your podcast me mafia yeah. and like your focus area so obviously you started focusing on diet you know regenerative agriculture but lately you've had you know a ton of guys on just like entrepreneurial mindset maybe some bitcoin guys I think you had a hunting guy on which is awesome so how has that changed what is like the future direction are you pretty much just talking to people that you guys are interested in yeah there's definitely been an evolution and i think it's a lot of it is really just following curiosity and kind of us evolving and going into different spaces and trying to, you know, b- build things in, in different, different areas than we were building before. And, you know, I think it's good. It's, it's like a, a cool story arc to the podcast. Obviously we started off and the core of everything that we, we do will always be rooted in the health space, regenerative ag, Bitcoin, kind of just the idea of sovereign health and the power of bringing your health back under your own, roof and you taking ownership of all things health. And then we just like firmly believe that an extension of that is, okay, so like what happens once you get yourself healthy, you have to go start contributing and being of service to other people. And I think the world of entrepreneurship is, is that. So the show has obviously evolved into us having, or not obviously, but it has evolved into us having more conversations with people who are building in the space that we're most interested in, which is the space of people who are doing things to make other people healthier, whether it's create products or they have services in the health and wellness space, or they're just like someone who's written a book or someone who has another podcast that's of value that uh, like we just had uh, Michael Bostic on who they have a a woman's focused podcast that talks all about different uh, health and wellness and some like beauty related stuff. It's definitely not like a core meat mafia audience, but he himself is like so passionate about all the health stuff and he's gotten himself in amazing shape. And that was a core part of his story. So everything that we're doing now is definitely just an extension of our own growth as, as people, but the core of who we are is what, where we started and, and we'll always come back to that. And that will always be the roots of the show and the core of the show, which is how do we get more people eating real food? How do we get more people taking control of their own health? And early on, a lot of those conversations were with regenerative farmers, functional medicine practitioners, people who are promoting animal-based carnivore diets, because that's where we see the most value for people focusing on how to, how to improve your diet, eat more real nutrient-dense foods, and prioritize nutrient density over anything else. And so... I would say for the first like 150 episodes of the podcast, our core core episodes were regenerative ag, having conversations with people like Jason Rick, who's a Bitcoiner, 
Will Harris, Joel Salatin, a bunch of the big names in the the regenerative real food space, and then having conversations with doctors like Sean Baker, um, people like Rob Wolf, who have been just like have amazing healing stories and then have built brands on top of that. Um, and then also the Bitcoin world, because I don't think you can escape this idea of being a healthy person and really wanting to like move the needle forward with people like wanting to make real food the priority without getting to the point of being like the incentives are so steered against real food being the center of our diets that the money has basically just captured this whole massive part of the food system that you need to focus on the money aspect of it and how money affects food. And so early on, like I'm a tried and true Bitcoiner and want to get that message out there. And I think food is such a relatable lens for people to see how money affects our day-to-day lives. And so I just think trying to bridge that gap and get people informed, like, Hey, this is so much deeper than just like your individual decisions on a day-to-day basis. It's the system won't change unless we start thinking about things through the lens of money, how money is being manipulated to make fewer and fewer options available when it comes to real food. We're pressing out all these um, providers, these people who are making um, contributions uh, like Jason Rick, who's just like out there boots on the ground, providing food for his community. Like it's becoming harder and harder for people like him to actually do what he does because uh, the current fiat system that's in place, it's becoming easier for big food companies to just continue to gain reach and control. So um, that was a core part of us bringing, you know, Bitcoin into the fold is that it's a massive part of this entire conversation when we talk about food. No, that's awesome. Actually, I really like the word you used on early on in that in that section of yours where with with the word curiosity, because I feel like that's what creates an interesting story and an interesting show is being continually curious. And I find like, cause the world doesn't need like another health show. Like yeah. they're literally, I've listened to the same podcast from a thousand different people, but it's the same fucking podcast. And me and Tristan talk about this all the time. It's an easy thing to fall into. Um, but I, I really got to thank Tristan for that. Cause he's really pushed, pushed me to like read things and like get, uh, a different preparation for different guests. And it's difficult in the space when there's already a thousand health podcasters of, of making something that's genuine and different and maybe uh, a little more uh, in depth or you cover different sections of the topic because there's probably been 110,000 episodes on seed oils done. And at this point, it's like you're beating a dead horse with another dead horse. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's just that it gets so repetitive. Not that it's bad because I think the conversations on a mass scale need to continue because on a mass scale, it's like you still have a majority of people that don't even know anything about yeah. anything. And so it's easy to get into the the loop of like, oh man, we've done this a hundred times or whatever, but you got to remember like the masses don't know. And if they're getting into their journey, that's a good place to start is at the beginning of, of your stuff. So, but what's really cool is beyond how you've built out your personalities, which is what I think has drawn people in and kept people in um, the dynamic, but it, you've also, like you said, expanded into other topics that still are sort of like an extension 
of what your your roots are. And that's a difficult thing to do. I'd love to know how that's been kind of received from like your audience and stuff like that. Probably pretty good because I, I can see people like growing along with you and they're sort of making all these realizations and connections themselves. But sometimes it's a little bit, you think it can be a little bit risky, but I think from a creative point of view, and you can kind of speak to this as being like in behind the scenes, like you get kind of staled out by doing the same stuff over and over and over again. So it is kind of nice to branch out and and do some different topics that are sort of an extension of your your base. Yeah, and, and I think the following the curiosity piece is really important. And it would be one thing if we were like, all right, now we're just going to start talking about like jujitsu or something that's just like very unrelated to. What, I mean, not not that jujitsu is totally unrelated, but uh, you know, there's something to the fact that I think our show we're like not really skipping steps in terms of our own evolution. So it's, it's a, it feels to, at least to us, like a, a somewhat natural progression into having some of these conversations, but still being mindful of the fact that your core audience still wants to hear from time and time again about how to best, uh, like the best ways to start a carnivore diet or have some of these doctors on that we had on in the beginning that might be able to sprinkle in a new perspective or have some of these regenerative farmers on, um, and, and like, we, we certainly will continue to have all those guests on. It's just like, how do we continue to chase our own curiosity, um, and even circle back to certain topics and go deeper, um, during certain periods, um, and just like, keep it, keep it interesting for us. Like, I think that is maybe the key point is like, if it's interesting for you, there's an audience out there that's going to continue to find it interesting where the show gets stale is where you just you know, you have every doctor under the sun on the podcast talking about the same things like you were talking about, like, you know, seed oils and oxidation. It's like, how many times can you hear that before you just go, all right, I'm, I've kind of evolved past the show. I know that's happened for me on certain podcasts where, you know, you get, you get your, your, uh, it's scratched with a certain topic and then, you know, maybe you leave and come back. And I think that's kind of the beauty of podcasting is you don't necessarily need to like listen to every episode. And I think that's been one of the reasons why we've, felt pretty strongly about just putting out three episodes a week. And if people want to skip an episode or two episodes or skip a whole month and come back and listen to a few at a time, it gives them the opportunity to just pick and choose what they're interested in and see our own evolution through that whole process. Um, so, you know, I think the key points there are like, make sure you don't lose your core and like, you know, what's important to you through the whole journey, but also, yeah, chase that, your, your own curiosity. Like people will, people always resonate with the person who's driving the conversation, how they're evolving. Like it's part of the story you're writing. So uh, I think it's really important. Yeah. And it's like, you could, you can go either of two ways and you can kind of go both a little bit, but it's like, you can either stick with that core direction and just keep going deeper and deeper. But then to be honest, yeah, you might lose some of that curiosity. Like to me, it's always, thinking of how much you really need to know about a topic to get all the key takeaways. And I'm a good example of that because I, I, for a long time, like really was like, all right, as long as I know like that core, like 80%, I know all the important stuff. And then that last 10, 20%, that's for the experts. You know, they can dive down deep on the mechanisms and, and all that. But I like to be well-rounded. And I think when you see the world through this lens of individual sovereignty, proof of work mindset, you want to apply that to like your whole life. So I kind of 
just want to convince everyone. I want to convince Bitcoiners why they should be really stoked about improving their health. I want to convince people who are ranching, who are into health optimization, that they should have Bitcoin. And they like the virtues are aligned. The values mm-hmm. are aligned. And I think you guys do that well, too. And it's like sprinkling it in. You're learning more for your personal, you know, selfish uh, virtues that you want to learn from these really fascinating and, and well-versed people. But then also you want to convince your audience at the same time. It's like, hey, yeah, if you want to start a business or you want to learn about Bitcoin or you want to learn why, you know, this health topic is really important. Here you go. Here's something. And yeah, it's it's cool to have that. I think it's it's nice to have like kind of like a one-stop shop where, as Ryan was saying earlier, there's so many health podcasts or so many maybe just... Uh, there's probably there's so many Bitcoin podcasts where they do get a little redundant. So it's I think it's nice to to mix it up. But maybe getting into this a little bit is there has been a momentum kind of in this direction of convergence of folks who value Bitcoin and health and you know buying food locally. I guess how have you seen that evolve in the past year? Being in Austin. Do you see this convergence of communities? Because Austin is kind of like an epicenter for both, or I guess all. It's like ancestral community. There's the biohackers. There's also the Bitcoin community as well. Yeah, Austin is the centralization of the decentralized world. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so biased on this topic, but I see what's happening on a day-to-day basis of people who think similarly coming into contact with each other and being able to share their different passions, whether it's the ancestral way of living or you're just a hardcore, hardcore Bitcoiner who resonates with, um, you know, just taking control of your health. Like all these different types of people are coming together in Austin. And it's amazing to see coming from writing on Twitter and starting the podcast and then being able to kind of see it manifest in real life people making connections in the sauna talking about like you'll have a guy who's just like a chiropractor and then some guy who's in the CPG world who works for somebody and they're just talking about Bitcoin and how it's important. And it's like, okay, like these two people have so many commonalities and all of those types of people are, are coming to Austin. So, you know, I, I feel like I've seen like with the um, Bitcoin topic specifically, it's like there's so many layers to it. But at the end of the day, it's about the lack of dependency on a central authority to control how you like transfer value and exchange value. And there's a lot of those same principles that apply to you taking control of your health. And whether it's you not wanting to be dependent on a pharmaceutical model of healthcare or sick care to like keep yourself healthy and maintain a vibrant life. Like those same people should obviously like those two people should be the same person in a lot of ways. And um, I think that that's kind of what's happening in Austin where there's a lot of light bulbs going off in terms of the different like avenues that people will explore once they understand like, Hey, I don't really want to be dependent on the government or somebody else to have control over the the destiny of my life, um, whether it's a health outcome, a monetary outcome or whatever, um, like all those things overlap at a certain point. And I think maybe like two years ago, right when we were getting started, there was 
it was like that post COVID wave of people really starting to wake up. And there's been periods of it, it seeming like it's like quieting down. But what I'm seeing now is more people getting together in small groups in person and starting to share what I think was originally mostly like an online conversation. Now it's like people are really getting this hunger to like share small local um, like community like focus and get in person and start having these conversations in person, which is a great evolution. Like that's where the magic happens. It's not just letting, letting these conversations rest online and then nothing happens. It's, Hey, let's get these same group of 10, 20 people in the room and see what these types of people can build together. And we work out at Bitcoin commons. That place is, is humming. Like even though Bitcoin's down, it's like, there's all these different people who are developing on Bitcoin and trying to create the next evolution of the applications of how it will service humanity. And then you have them talking about ordering beef in bulk from KNC or from uh, Holy Cow Beef or from, you know, whatever ranch it is. And, and you kind of just see these ethos, like this ethos of wanting to take back the the control away from these like massive multinational companies and government that have kind of just stood in the way of them feeling like they have control over all the different layers of the life. And obviously COVID was a big wake up call, but I think we're just working through the different layers here and different periods of, of how it's all unfolding. No, I mean, that's important. I think so. Uh, I don't remember who it was that told me this, but they, they were basically saying how you'll never replace in-person conversion or conversation. Um, I think he was, he meant in like a business sense, like when you're making deals and stuff, but I think it's important to have like these in-person conversations and, and get togethers and things like that. I know Tristan's talking about throwing some stuff and getting people together in Wyoming and things like that sometime in the future. But it's like these, it's these, uh, communal things that are happening in person, not just online that I think create action. Cause that's been like one of my complaints for, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people, not going to lie, vulnerable moment for Ryan. But I've been one of those people where I've gotten by in life very well for many years. And I'm not very old, but for as many years as I've, I've been alive by just talk. I'm, I've been very good at just talking um, and sort of been like, uh, I guess sort of been like a marketer, but I've never had like any real like proof of work until like the last couple of years of my life. I've never really done stuff. I just sort of like talked sold someone else's thing or program or whatever. I've never built anything really built some channels, but that's kind of like child's play in my opinion, because it's just like on your computer you can do it at home. But it's really cool to go to, like I said, coming to, I'm coming to Austin next month for, um, the summer called vid summit, uh, which is a video conference, but it's cool to like get together in person and meet different people that are actually like building these crazy things out. Like you're mentioning the, the, the Bitcoin common stuff. Cause it, it makes you realize like, Oh, I could be doing more. And that's where a real change is going to come. So like, I think like through COVID, it was really interesting because you'd see sort of see the outrage and sort of see the, the growing need of people's uh, need to create change in, in the system or better their lives, like financially or for their health or whatever. Um, but then you got to see like real people take action after that, which was really cool to see the, the momentum build. And I guess that's kind of what you're seeing down there in person. Um, so I, I'd love to sort of hear like what your experience has been uh, in Austin, in the, in the community and seeing what people build and how that's reflected on uh, your own show. And also like you've built brands 
uh, out. Like, uh, I think you guys have like that protein powder stuff, which is freaking awesome. And like, how was that like lit the fire in your ass to like build your own quote empire or whatever that not only gives back to the community, but also like gives you guys like that financial, like growing that financial freedom and stuff, because I think it's super important to build out things for yourself. And I like a lot of discussions around like not leaning on other things for comfort and safety because it doesn't actually exist. It's sort of like theoretically there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's, um, I think with, when you hold these beliefs so strongly about just, um, you know, you see how the world is moving in the direction that it's moving in and you are unsettled by the direction in which it's moving. You don't want to have someone tell you what can and can't be put in your body. You um, want ultimately like the final say on like how your child is educated and how you raise your family. And you don't really want like an authority figure to be able to um, come down from wherever it is and be able to dictate like kind of the outcomes. And so I, I just kind of got to the point where it was like, if you believe these things so strongly, so what, like, what are you going to do about it? And, um, I think I've met so many people like that in Austin who are just like, who are just doers and builders and being around that is so contagious. So one of my favorite books is put your ass where your heart wants to be by press film. And it resonated with me because I was read it while I had moved to Austin. It came out like the first few months that I was in Austin and it was kind of just this uh, almost like prophetic, like parallel to what I was starting to do, or I was like writing online and putting my beliefs out there, but I wasn't actually building anything around it. And to me, it was like, you, you can hold all those beliefs all you want, but if you don't multiply it and create something that other people can connect with it, and then they go off and build something off of that, um, then you're not really doing yourself or your beliefs uh, any service. So um, just being down here has been incredible. Like we've gotten plugged in with communities that uh, like the gyms that we go to, being in the Bitcoin commons, connecting with, uh, you know, uh, people, entrepreneurs who are just doing cool things, businesses that are, you know, like uh, just building amazing things along the same line that we're trying to, to build. And once you get plugged in and like build relationships with those people, you're just, um, you, you can't help but like, want to work in that same manner where it's like, let's just build um, things that actually help people become healthier and want to start taking action. And I think for the longest time, for me, I felt like I wasn't taking action on the things that I wanted to do. And so coming down to Austin was just like this, this uh, reset, this new avenue for me to start taking action on everything that I wanted to do. And um, so with the show, it was, we started the show just because we wanted to get off Twitter and kind of create a new a new voice outside of just us writing online. And then the show took its own order, its own shape. We had a bunch of really great guests on. We started to see the future of how it could actually unfold. And we started coming into contact with people that were inspiring us to want to get a physical product out there. And um, at the end of the day, we had gone through a number of different iterations on what we wanted to put out there for a product. We knew that we were probably going to end up over a long enough time period, putting out a few products. But um, the question was like, where do we want to start? So we we were, were thinking about like a flavored tallow, cooking tallow. We we're thinking about some healthy versions of different snacks out there. We we're thinking about like a beef delivery company. And ultimately, 
the question that we were getting the most out there when it came to just health advice was what, or after how do I order beef in bulk and how do I connect with a local farmer? It was what protein powder would you recommend? And there's a lot of good ones out there, but we felt like there was this kind of empty space where all the different proteins really across the board in the food system are just moving towards like plant-based protein. And so we were like, if we just boldly go out there and create a animal-based protein that has everything that we would want in it. And, you know, we're like the chemists where we you know would throw beef protein isolate in a smoothie and then get creatine and then put colostrum and collagen. And you, at the end of the day, you're ending up paying like 200 bucks for all the different supplements. We're like, what if we just created like an all-in-one that someone could just take one scoop, throw it in their smoothie, and it could be this bridge product for a much bigger message, which is, hey, start start here. Like if you're just like the average person coming off their couch, start cutting out processed foods, start eating more animal-based, incorporate this into your diet. And then slowly but surely, we can start talking about how you know you, you can get over to this real foods um, 100% of the time and not need to be just like drowning yourself in supplements or having to go to the doctor all the time just because you've taken back your health. And so, um, yeah, the, the launch of Noble was just like an extension of the show, really, like us getting feedback from our guests in terms of like what they wanted. And, um, you know, Brett obviously has his healing story with eating animal-based to overcome ulcerative colitis. I started eating animal-based. Um, like in college, I was messing around with paleo and experimenting with different types of diets. And then when COVID hit, I just totally uh, reset and was just trying to reprioritize my health. So I started cooking all my meals, which I wasn't doing before. I was eating a lot of takeout because I was working and would eat lunch in the food hall and then come home and get like a quick meal and just like really wasn't prioritizing my health in the way that I was previously. And so I got back to eating animal based and just saw all the powerful things that happened to me once I took the power back and started really taking control of my health. And from there, it was like, Brett and I were just like, we need to get this message out there. And so having the show is a great way to get the information out there. And the product is just another extension where people can come into contact with the greater message of like, you know, get back to eating real foods and animal based. So um, it's been a fun ride, lots of learning experience along the way. But um, yeah. No, that's awesome. How, how has, well, first off, it's, awesome that you've, you know, taken this journey and it's like progressed very quickly. So I think that's the way to do it. I think it's cool. We've talked to, you know, people like Tan Man, um, Steven on here. And it's like, yeah, if you don't give people a good or a better alternative, they're just going to keep buying the same crap. And that's the biggest issue. And it is a real problem. And I think the momentum in the space has been building for years now. And it's awesome to see that, but I'm curious because you did, you made a product that's pretty different from like you're saying the trend of, of powders and how has that been received? And I know you're meeting with, you know, suppliers like grocery stores, things like that, supplement stores. How has that been received when you meet with these people? Um, are they open to this? Because it is kind of against I guess what you would say is the mainstream narrative on like what's good for you. Obviously, people don't know much about the ins and outs of that. So I'm curious in general. Yeah, how has the reception been when you're when you're trying to promote this to suppliers? Yeah, I think the most valuable piece of information is found like in the place where 
the last people will convert to this like way of thinking. And I think that's kind of in the grocery stores because they need to feel comfortable that people are going to go to the store and actually buy the product like online. I don't think is where we're going to get like the most valuable data on how it's being received because there's so, there's so many people who are already all about it online, but in the grocery store, it's definitely a different customer. So when we're talking to people like central market or whole foods, it's been pretty incredible to see them waking up to this trend. So we've had meetings with both of them and both their buyers were um, well aware of the trend of organs and more animal-based protein being incorporated into the diet. And they're, they're like excited to see our product um, come like come to fruition and, and us being there to actually like have a product that's starting to be developed for them to start to think about, but I think still think it's early. Like we, um, you know, we've had these conversations and it's just, a, it's a new product, um, you know, in terms of like the, the powder space. And um, I, I just think that they're on trend. Like they, they're looking where the ball is going and seeing like, Oh, like this animal based trend is not going anywhere. And people are starting to realize that they should be incorporating some level of organs into their diet. They should be incorporating more animal protein into their diet. And I think they're seeing those trends online and starting to figure out a plan to react to them. But so we, so with that, we got into central market because their buyer is already that like their, their buyer is already thinking animal based. She lives that way. So she was ahead of the trend. And I think like the whole foods of the world are still figuring out how they want to play this space, but they're well aware of the trend. And I think that they were pretty receptive to what we had to say. So it's cool just seeing uh, the tides move because for so long it was like pea protein and cricket protein. And obviously that stuff's still out there, but the consumer is asking for something different. And I think these grocery stores are starting to be like, well, maybe we should get ahead of this um, so that we can capitalize on the trend moving in the other direction. Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10, for 10% off your first order. Now that's actually that's actually some really cool stuff because it's been interesting to see sort of like you mentioned the tide shift over the last I've noticed it really over the last year. Like a lot of people like reach out to me asking questions about this like animal-based stuff, which like five years ago was like almost unheard of. Like I think keto was like pretty popular like five years ago, but still it was like the last really last like three years have been pretty crazy for like that movement. I think it's important because what you'll see is like, as even though like the plant-based stuff super popular, like my boss is all into it and stuff like that. Like as, as you watch people's health continue to decline in that paradigm, I think um, not to say that it's all evil and all this stuff, but I think promoting whole foods in general is just like a positive for everybody. Really. If you're coming from standard American or whatever, but as you see, like, I'll see the mass majority of people's health trend down. More people are going to look for alternatives. And then you'll kind of be at the head of this thing to to sort of pick people up in the beginning. That's why I think your information is valuable too. I'd love to know sort of like just from a 
from for anybody listening that's thinking about getting any of this stuff started for themselves, whether they are I have conversations with people that like want to be entrepreneurial, but they don't know where to start because they feel like the space is, I, I'm one of those people where I feel like there's there's room for everybody if you can just yeah. kind of sneak your way in. And I think you're kind of the same way. But and, and it's the same with YouTube. Like I still think you can grow a YouTube channel. You just got to do it. So the first piece of advice is just do it. Just start talking. Like just start putting yourself out there, start showing your personality, all that stuff. But what are some things that you think if you had known, like when you guys started, had known like the more knowledge you've had about building your your platform and stuff like that, what would be some advice you give to yourself as a beginner for just getting your message out there and maybe some mistakes you made in the, in the early early beginnings? Um, probably a lot of that is holding back. It's just like, yeah, I think you just got to go all in and be confident and know you're going to make mistakes. But as you build that brand out, what would be some advice you give to people that want to just get started? Or, or maybe a little hesitant or feel like their message isn't important enough, which I totally disagree with because I think anyone's message can be powerful. Yeah. I want to just echo what you just said. Cause I think, that, I mean, where the majority of people get hung up is thinking that they need something perfect and uh, just like the best version of the product or best version of the podcast on day one. And for us, I think the biggest unlocks came from us really just not holding back and not being afraid to just like put it out there. And um, I think it's a good message for people who are interested in getting into entrepreneurship where, and I think it for us, there's obviously been opportunities that we've probably missed because we've been focused a little bit more on velocity and volume as opposed to like, just being very manicured and having like this perfectly designed brand. Like we've, we've missed plenty of opportunities because we didn't really have fully scalable systems in place as we continue to grow the show because we just were focused on growing it quickly, but velocity and effort is a massive piece of currency in the world of entrepreneurship and the amount of people who have gained respect for what Brett and I are doing, just purely looking at like the amount of episodes that we put out in a year was a massive token for us in terms of just gaining some respect from people, whether it's getting good guests on the show or having someone willing to stake their reputation on making a connection for you because they know that, Hey, these guys are just working hard. And, um, at the end of the day, I think when you peel entrepreneurship back, it's a very great insight and mirror into your own beliefs and how you turn your beliefs into action. And like, for me, the stronger you believe in what you're doing, the more people like that's kind that's at the end of the day sales. And that's at the end of the day, how people come into contact with you and have that magnetic relationship with a brand. It's like, man, like this brand truly believes in what they're doing. Um, I, I just, and it's hard to not admire someone who's just like going after what they believe in. I think there's, there's like some small takeaways there where it's like, you're not going to just like, sit there and like grow your beliefs um, through like thinking about them. You have to go out and act on them and just like develop that belief through getting the next big podcast guest and having that affirmed in you being able to go out and do the work and get a big podcast guest. And then that leads to an, another big podcast guest. And I just think like the work is kind of um, 
like you don't need to necessarily design the perfect system in order to get the work done. I think just going at things like with full speed, it, um, it, it pays off in the long run. And most people just don't allow themselves to put that full effort in. And one thing that Brett and I, I think always came back to was like, what, what does our full effort and full capabilities of us focusing on this show or this product look like? And I still feel like we haven't reached that. And I think that's a sign of like how entrepreneurship unfolds is there's always more because you're constantly growing and you just keep resetting that base. But at the beginning, you just feel like it's, it's daunting. So, um, you know, you got to start small. Like we, we started with a few blog posts for a guy who had a uh, Texas slim who had a platform and we were just writing blog posts for him. And then that started the Twitter accounts. And then that started the podcast. And then the podcast became our thing. And then that evolved into Noble. And you can see like just how, like we didn't really have all any true scalable systems. It was just a kind of force. And that works for us. I think that's just like kind of our nature. And, um, you know, for other people out there who are listening, I would just say like really lean into your gifts and, you know, when you, when you have that magic moment of like seeing your beliefs affirmed, just keep going. Like you can't, you can't back down, um, and start to take other people's opinions, um, negatively towards like what you're trying to put effort into. Um, there's something to be said about just truly believing in what you're doing. Yeah. And actually just a quick follow-up to that, cause I, I find this topic interesting. So when you guys were developing like your own personal product with Noble, which freaking cool, like, I loved seeing you guys do that. But, um, what, I, I'll have um, I'll have conversations with people that have an idea for a product or whatever, and they they get hung up in the area of like, oh, how am I going to get investment for that, or how am I going to how is some like how am I going to find someone to help me back this or something like that? And I've always had the mindset of, well, if you're already creating content, like you guys were already doing the podcast and stuff, you've been building your audience and you've been building your messaging, then the right person will sort of come to you or when you are looking to reach out, they'll kind of know what you're about. I, I feel like people get hung up in that worrying of trying to cater to someone else's interests for investment, but then they lose something with maybe the person they're trying to sell the product to because that connection is lost between trying to please investment versus please the audience of who the product is actually made to benefit. I'd love to just know your experience with that because you've actually been through it and sort yeah. of like how that process worked for you guys. Yeah, it's like when you're displeasing like somebody else, like some future potential investor that like is just a figment of your imagination, you're pleasing somebody else. Like you're there's probably an investor out there who's going, "Wow, I really respect like what these guys are doing and what they're building." Um, so, yeah, I think the the process of you know, a lot of people want to run mile 2 before they run mile 1. And so the podcast is just a great way to run mile 1 and put your message out there, let people know what you're all about. And then, you know, I think just in terms of like not being afraid to speak your mind, um, you know, like we obviously have a, a strong message with the show and like how we think about the world. And that probably deters a bunch of people, but it's also brought in more loyal people into our corner as well. And that loyalty outweighs any uh, amount of people that you're deterring away. So when it comes to, you know, that whole concept in terms of like raising money, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe people like aren't interested 
in your product because they just have a whole set different set of beliefs. But then there's a whole another audience that's that much more excited about giving you money or supporting your product because they align so much with the way you think and the way um, you your your mission for what the product is going to become. So I just at, at the end of the day, there's a path forward that is just it's built for you already. If you just lean into like that true and genuine voice and it'll deter plenty of people, but it will also attract the the right people. Yeah. I think authenticity is probably one of the most important aspects of like creating a brand and creating a following and everyone gets so hung up on following count and subscriber count. But if you have like a very loyal, like I know people who have 4,000 followers and they've, made way more money online than people with 100,000 followers. And that just shows you that they're really authentic. They're really deep in their niche and they know their audience well. So people can get, and that's why like paying for followers and things like that is idiotic. Um, But you can get lost in that game very easily, I, I would say. And I mean, even... For me, that's that's happened, and <clears throat> you go through these waves and things of of what you want to pursue. But I think you guys have done a great job of yeah, progressing and then outlining and staying very authentic. So that's I think a, a benchmark for people to follow, and it's important because yeah, there like Ryan said, there's a lot of people who always want to like start brands or you know pursue something in life, and that's why I like talking about this topic on our show because. It is decentralized. It is a way to get financial freedom, but you do have to put in that that proof of work. And there's always other things that are kind of maybe weighing you down or holding you back. And something that I think also you and Brett did have done really well is you're pretty much like fully committed. You've burned the boats. Like you're, and even now you're still saying you haven't even reached a hundred percent like commitment to something. So that's something I struggle with still. And I'm curious for you, how how did that transition go when you kind of went full time into this? And you did it before Brett did. So yeah, even, actually, even more power to you for that. <laughs> yeah, some level of desperation for sure, getting getting the show off the ground because um yeah, I'll, I'll give the full story. So um so I was working a job for six years um up in Boston, same job. I had gotten the job my senior year. Um, worked there for six years after first two years was kind of in the honeymoon phase was learning a bunch loved the job was getting some really cool experience and then I just started to see myself plateau and just like knew there was more out there for me and then I you know I'd been applying for jobs in a similar industry real estate um, you know real estate industry and was ultimately just kind of like coming to this realization that if I got that job, I would probably stay there for another two, three years. And then I'm fully entrenched in this industry. And this will be my path forward. And I just, I knew that I had a certain, even if it was just an ounce of uncertainty, I just wasn't fully sold that it was the path forward for me. And so I let that ounce of uncertainty kind of just like grow and grow. And I was like, this is just, this just isn't it. And so I, uh, I was living with a buddy at the time. And I've been applying for a few different jobs outside of real estate. And one of them was a chief of staff role for a company or well, a, a guy down here who had a bunch of different companies. Um, and through that process, had kind of just pitched him on myself, pitched him on what I wanted to do with my time going forward. And um, the the job with him would have been perfect. It would have been like a great bridge out of real estate. I would have gotten a ton of different experience. 
and um, ultimately like got to the point of negotiating, like figuring out how the nuts and bolts of the whole relationship was going to work. And he ended up deciding that he wasn't going to hire a chief of staff um, at all. And so at that point, I was like, I was pretty sold on what I wanted to do. And it was, to me, looking back, it was a true test of like what I really wanted. And so I was like, all right, like, I'm going to try to pitch this guy on a business idea to see if he would come on and be like an advisor. And through the process of the interview, I had pitched already pitched him on the business idea and he liked it. So I pitched him on the idea. He was, um, he was agreeable to be a, a mentor partner. Like we would, we would figure it out. And at that point I was just like, I'm just going to use this as enough, like the confidence I need to just like quit the job and just like go move to Austin and, and try to work on this idea. I had enough saved up to feel comfortable to like go for a few months at this idea and see if I could make it work. And so in August of 2021, I quit my job. Um, my buddy had bet me that I wouldn't quit my job. And I was just like, all right, like done. Um, so he, he, uh, we bet over a steak dinner and he ended up paying for it cause I quit and then, um, moved down to Austin in October with Brett to run this race together. We live together. And that was again, just like another moment in time where I was like, all right, I'm like, I'm on the right path here. I just need to keep going and keep trying to figure out what, um, you know, what the future holds. I was having conversations with a guy that I had um, decided to um, work on this business idea with, but it, it started to become clear to me that Brett was kind of like the person that I would want to be doing stuff with. And so we started writing online together. And that was just like the illumination of like the path. It was like, okay, us two like are on the same page. We're at the sta same stage of life. We're having too much fun with this stuff. Like, let's just keep writing and see what the next step holds. And so, you know, for me, like that transition into entrepreneurship was like me being at the end of the road with what I was doing before, but also just feeling called to like do so much more with my time. Like I, I felt like I was leaving so much on the, t on the table. Um, and I had felt that feeling before in sports where I felt like I had left, let potential go and, and die. And, um, you know, I just was at that right stage of life where it was like late twenties or mid to late twenties. Um, feeling like I needed to make a big change. And that was just like where I was at. I was just ready to make a big change. And then since then, like once you make a big move like that, the, I think the biggest, um, I don't want to say fear, but like the, the biggest um, like bullet you have in your arsenal is you made that choice, that big choice. So every decision there, you just need to like reaffirm that you made the right choice. <laughs> and so for me, it was like, I'm just not going to let these other distractions, these other like little shiny objects that could come in the way of like, Hey, here's like a, um, a job. Like, you know, if I decided to go get a job while we were working on the podcast, I don't think it would be where it's at um, necessarily. Cause it would have been that plan B. And so it was really just us committing to plan a and um, you know, even through the tough days where it's like, you feel like you're not making any progress, things aren't moving you just have to kind of settle and almost just make the decision beforehand, like accept that you're willing to, to go to zero, accept the fact that this is the path. And once you kind of make that decision beforehand, it's easy to not easy, but it's um, it's comforting. And you can, you can work through those, those tough days when you're like, Oh man, this is just like not it. And there's always a path forward when you have plan A, like you get creative, you figure things out that you wouldn't have otherwise figured out if you had a plan B. 
Um, and so I, I just think having that plan A only mindset is so key to really finding your path in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think I think it's underrated or overlooked. I mean, there's a lot of successful people who kind of bring it up and that's where you get like the whole burn to boats. Like you need to fully commit to something if you want it to be as successful as it possibly could be because you're in that scenario where you're kind of like your back's up against the wall and you really, as you said, you need to get creative. You need to scrub every detail and then you get this inspiration because you're spending so much time because it is the full-time commitment. And yeah, even though the changes uh, or I guess the fruit born from the changes implemented might not come right away, you kind of have to have that mental resilience, but also just have to have, I think, this energy that Mm -hmm. you kind of illuminate because you're so committed. And that, to me, that draws more people into your, your brand or your business or whatever you're trying to build. And yeah, that's it's inspiring, but it's not easy. So yeah. something that you and Brett both have done together is like a lot of these endurance events. And Brett uh, told me that you're training or in very good shape right now. So we'll have to maybe get into that. But how has maybe like the physical mental fortitude that you built from endurance races, from playing sports in college your whole life helped you in a scenario like this because it does take a resilient mind to be able to kind of put yourself through that and come out successful on the other end. Yeah, it's the most beautiful comparison to basically doing anything, um, creating anything is building your own body, creating, creating your own body and strength within your own physical capabilities. Um, because it is, you, you can't skip steps. Um, and it allows you to understand what progression really looks like and the power of momentum too. So it's like when you're going through the process of trying to get in shape, you go through weeks at a time where you feel like you're not seeing any changes or you're not seeing the results that you want. And then you put in two, three months of just consistent hard work where you've cut out different things and you've committed to doing more of the good things. And you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, the progress I've made just through incrementally every day, taking a step in the right direction has led me to this. And it's just, it's the exact same thing as uh, building a business. And um, I just think having that frame of reference is incredibly powerful because you build resiliency in one world that's insulated from the other. And you know that if you can put yourself in that state of mind where it's like, this is just a day in and day out process. And those days where you feel like you, you hit the pause button and you look back and you can reflect on like how much you've actually grown, you go, okay, like, this is how it's actually all built. And the world of business is definitely different because you can add on like layers of leverage. Like you get things that happen that are massive upticks. But the the bottom, like the uh, day in and day out grind is the same. It's, it's like you just need to um, be able to put yourself in a frame of mind that allows you to um, just get through it. And I think that the, the, physical, the physical realm is truly that. Like you, you really can only control like what's happening right now. And that is the most important frame of ref or frame of mind when it comes to business. It's like, there's so many things to do. There's so there's only so much time in a day. Um, there's so many opportunities out there, but 
what is the thing you're going to do right now or today or this week that's going to move the needle? And, um, you know, with all the preparation stuff that we've done for the endurance stuff, it's like you'll go weeks where you feel like you're not making any progress when it comes to lowering your mile time or, or lowering, getting further and being able to run 10 miles and 15 miles and 20 miles. And then you have like a breakthrough day where you, you run the best time of your life and you PR and it reinvigorates the whole process. And it's the same thing when it comes to business. Um, so I think if you can callous your mind and your body in a lot of ways through that personal development journey, through just going through a process of progression um, in the world of weight training or nutrition, then you're well-equipped to start thinking about building a business because it's the exact same thing. That's a really good point. Cause that's something I think about a lot. And like when I've talked to, I think it's really easy to, to get wrapped up in people you admire and in, in their success when it probably doesn't translate to yourself and it's easy to get down by, by seeing other people's like success stories and stuff like that. And you're still like kind of in the middle of yours. Um, I think one question I wanted to ask you because you're sort of in the similar space that, that we are, um, from being on, being on social media and being in, like into all this other stuff, being into outdoors and, and performance and stuff like that. How do you balance, how do you balance all those things? And pretty much every time, I think I might've asked Brett this, it's been too long, but I can't remember. Somebody's answer was you don't <laughs> or something like that. And so how do you, how do you maintain, uh, at, at minimum, how do you maintain the, 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 the juggling? Because I see people get burnt out, particularly in our space of creating content and stuff all the time. I've actually, I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day because I have a lot of friends that became very successful on YouTube, but all of them burnt out and either mm. quit, never came back, quit, started another channel, didn't continue the first one or took massive breaks. Um, and so while you're doing all this stuff, you're trying to run a business, trying to run a show, trying to get stuff out there, trying to be consistent with all those things, trying to maintain your health. How, how have you found sort of an equilibrium or closest to for yourself in that, in that game? I think having a partner helps because you can kind of balance some load, but, but how have you done that for yourself? The, yeah, you made a bunch of great points there, but the partner one is definitely the one that is, I would definitely um, emphasize because there's been moments where Brett and I have just had to borrow each other's energy for a day or two or three, you know, where it's like, you know, one day one of us wakes up and we're just like in the tank and one of us just needs to carry the load. <clears throat> and that's certainly happened. I think, you know, kind of going back to the endurance stuff, you kind of have to find your breaking point and understand where your edge is at the current moment. And if you're in the world of starting a business, you're most likely an extremist uh, in some way. And so you're, you're comfortable being unbalanced. Um, where I've kind of grown and developed a bit is getting to that threshold of like where I really feel like I'm like pushing myself and then like comfortably just trying to dial it back so I can sustain it longer. Um, there's, I mean, over the past two years, there's been moments where I've totally just like been, I mean, a, a lot of the past two years has just been unbalanced. Like I haven't, um, poured enough time into certain relationships. Um, you know, I've been focused on the stuff that I'm doing and, um, 
yeah, I just think that it kind of comes with the territory a bit, but at a certain point, like you're saying, if you don't rectify some of that and find some level of balance, you're, you're either going to end up one living somewhat of a life that like you're, you're not fully happy with because you've just not poured enough time and attention into important things like family, friends, um, somewhat of a social life, or, you know, you're going to burn yourself out and not love the work that you're doing anymore. And that's going to be unfulfilling in itself. So my key, my key thing that I've probably said since day one is if you're not having fun, it's not worth doing. Um, so having a partner has made this like incredibly fun the entire way. We've definitely run up against resistance and like had those hard days, but part of the, part of the suck, like if you can laugh when shit is just like hitting the fan, you know, you're in a good spot because you're just like, that's just like kind of the, the energy you need to bring to the table where it's like, we're just going to have fun no matter what, like shit's going to happen. Like we know those bad days are coming. But as long as we're enjoying the process and just enjoying what we're doing, man, you can just like find balance and peace in that. So, um, yeah, the, the burnout part is real. Like, I think that, um, you know, just just being mindful and trying to always find the next level and version of yourself where you start to realize things like, hey, maybe I've just like maybe I found um, a limit that I'm comfortable pushing right now. And I'm just going to dial it back and be on cruise control for a bit until I have that energy to like or more in, more into this avenue um is a key like part of growth um so hope that answered your question yeah yeah i think that's really powerful because people always talk about you know stressing yourself out and all the the whole lot of like how much you should be working or i don't know you see all this nonsense about like 30 hour work weeks and things like that it's just none of that really matters what matters if you're pursuing something you're passionate about. You're doing it with people that you're, you know, enjoy their company or they bring the best out in you. Like you're saying, you're going to have fun. Even in the hard times, you're going to have fun. And it's not going to be like this negative stress. Like, yeah, you're, you might overwork yourself a little bit, but, you know, that's kind of what life is all about. And it's yeah. probably better than working like a nine to five in an office and just actually hating your life because you feel this greater sense of purpose and fulfillment when you do accomplish things. So that's where it's always this fine line between, you know, like the hustle culture and building your own business. But it's for me, it's if you do something that you're passionate about and that's also you know, going to generate you income and financial freedom. That's the real marriage, right? Like for me, I could never just like do drop shipping for like deodorant. Like that's like, I don't give a shit about making money on that because that's just, you know, for me, I'm actually doing a disservice, especially if it's like a toxic deodorant or something. I'm just trying to make money or or sell like polyester clothing. It's like, to me, that's not what it's about. I want to, if I'm going to build a brand or a product, and I think you guys are very aligned in this mindset as well. I want it to be beneficial for both the consumer and myself, like create that solution that's missing, that product that's missing. And that way I can feel really fulfilled, even more so for fulfilled about what I'm building. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, to that point, Brett and I, obviously we have a, <clears throat> we have an amazing design of like how everything that we're doing is laid out where I feel like we're able to incorporate these 
healthy uh, lifestyle things into our life without it detracting from our overall mission. Whereas like every time I go sauna, every time I go work out, every time I go uh, cold plunge, I'm usually doing it with, with, with somebody who's like in the same industry that we're in. And there's some benefit to it outside of just me getting the personal benefits of being able to relax and chill out and, you know, have that mental space for myself. Um, so I think we're in a unique industry too, where it's like burnout is kind of hard when you can bake things in like that to your schedule, where it's serving you in two ways where it's like, you can just, I can go hit up Danny Miranda, who has a podcast, who's in the same world. We can go talk for an hour in the sauna and both relax and get ideas from each other. Like that's the beauty about, I think, kind of being in this health and wellness space is you can, you can design it so that you don't burn yourself out. Yeah. Oh, I was I, just going to say quickly, it's just, yeah, exactly that kind of just when you build resilience and health, like you're obviously going to be less prone to, to burning out when you have those core principles of, you know, quality sleep, you know, moving your body, eating real food. I think that's underlooked in this whole like hustle culture nonsense where people are just, you know, they're staying up all night, they're drinking bangs or I don't know, whatever the hell they do. And that you like how is that sustainable it's not but if yeah if you're compounding you know collaboration networking as well if like you're working out or in the sauna and then on top of that you're just resilient through health like the things you can accomplish to me are just so much greater and yeah i think that's important for for people like your health as a baseline like the roi is infinite right like if you can accomplish optimizing your health then you can go and build a business. You can go and accomplish things physically. Like that's the whole point, right? Is to have that. Yeah. I think if, if someone's listening and they're just like trying to figure out, they want to do something entrepreneurial, I would really like force them to think about how they can design their life. So certain things that seem like, you know, maybe they're prioritizing going to the gym or going and sauna and going cold plunging or reading or practicing some spirituality, like how can you make it so that you're uh, accomplishing two things at once, whether it's you're spending time with people that are in your industry while you're doing certain things like lifestyle design, man, that is like, that's a, the benefit of being an entrepreneur is you can design your time so that it, it does, it serves you in multiple ways. And um, I just think that's kind of like been the key for us not getting burnt out and just loving what we're doing. Like everything is just kind of compounding on itself, which is amazing. Yeah. And I was just going to build on that really quick. Cause I, I mean, I, I, that was like so much of my life. Cause it's like you, what you said, you need to really think about what you're building your life around because there are lots of situations where like I was in a business relationship where I was making quite good money and the business we're building was going to make quite a bit of money, but it fulfilled me in no other aspect of my life beyond financially. And to me, that just caused a lot of stress and a lot of not being fulfilled. And it kind of took away from all the things that I actually did feel passionate about because it takes time to build a business to be successful. And so it's hard to focus on like five different projects that don't bleed into each other. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like it's really important when you pursue something like this to make sure that 
if it's like a pyramid, they all kind of point to the same direction of what your fulfillment is and what the end goal is. Whereas I was basically having three different projects where two of them kind of blended together. And one of them was just purely there for paycheck every month. And it was bleeding out all the other ones and making it harder to make them successful. So you got to make some hard decisions sometimes and like leave stuff behind. That's not going to pay to the ultimate goal and just take the hit initially. And then know that if you pour yourself into what you actually care about, shit will happen. It's just, it's about taking priorities. I think a lot of people just don't know what they want. And it would behoove everybody to just like sit down on a weekend when you're just chilling, watching Netflix, drinking a beer to think about like, oh, what do I actually want out of life? And what do I want to actually build? I don't think a lot of people think about that. And it's not necessarily instilled in us, I don't think. Uh, Just in a conventional like setting, like school and stuff, you kind of go to school to get a job, to hopefully survive and retire. You know, that's kind of the way of, of living. And I think people need to think outside the box. Yeah. And you, you also grow numb to that way of thinking. If you don't stress it enough, like you can basically atrophy your mind. So to the point where you're so insulated by comfort that you never really stress test, like what's working, what's not like what in my life is actually serving me and, and giving me time back so I can do the things that I want to do. Um, you know, I, I just feel strongly about people, uh, who kind of find themselves in that place where they feel stuck. It's like, you need to, you need to figure out what you don't want first. And, you know, for me, that was like, I just don't want to show up at an office nine to five and do things that I don't feel fully aligned with and do things where my, uh, and I don't mean this in like an egotistical way, but my gifts and my capabilities aren't being stretched to the point where they're serving other people in the, the highest value way. And like, I felt that when I was working a corporate job where I was being limited, I was doing a good job in the confines of my work, but the service that I could have provided to, to other people was being capped. And so for me, it was like, I knew what I didn't want to do. That was me saying like, no to some of these other real estate jobs after I had uh, decided I didn't want to work at the same company before. And then it was just a, a question of like, start start trying different stuff and experiment and get comfortable being like someone who doesn't have all the answers and is willing to just get burnt a few times and make some mistakes and figure things out as you go. Um, but the, the path becomes more clear the more you just distance yourself from that, that numbing agent of just comfort and security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. I think uh, putting yourself in these types of situations is, is just helpful. But I'm curious, what what is like your routine right now? Has anything in terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis evolved over the past year? It could be in terms of workout regimen or, or health. Are you training for an event, an endurance event? Um, what's, yeah. what's on your radar? What's on the calendar? I'm, I'm constantly tinkering. So my routine is, is, uh, I like to, I like to mix up my routine. Um, I'm definitely a routine person, but we're training right now. We got a marathon on the books in December, um, with one of our buddies. So we're going to be running the Memphis marathon. And my goal for that is really just to like have fun. Um, so the training for that, I'm not really going to be, I just, I, I'm at this point where I'm, 
the race excites me, but the idea of like training as hard as I possibly can right now for the marathon is something that I've done. And, um, honestly, like think I'll do in the future, but this one, I'm just going to chalk it up like fun race and, um, you know, build up some training into that. So I'm kind of transitioning more into that training mode, but I've totally oscillated over the past year, um, in terms of like what I've been doing in terms of routine, but it's all been centered around the same stuff. So like most recently, uh, yeah, I was waking up, I was waking up at like five, getting to the gym and I was, I've recently been just embracing this idea of a daily minimum viable dose of what I need in terms of physical activity and just letting that be, um, you know, the path towards progression. So I would go into the gym, I would do a dry walk. You guys familiar with a dry walk? So 20 minutes, 15 degree incline, three miles per hour, get a good sweat going. And then I would just do a bunch of calisthenics, some conditioning, um, heavy on farmer's walks, like just trying to work the central nervous system as much as possible. So heavy carries, um, lots of time under tension work when it came to calisthenics. And dude, I mean, that stuff, if you do that day in and day out on a consistent basis for 20, 30 minutes a day, you're like, you're going to see insane results. And um, that was kind of my framework, just trying to like, really focus on what works and then eliminate what doesn't spend less time in the gym and more time on the stuff that I really need to be spending time on. And so I committed to being there in the morning early and just doing the minimum viable dose each day. And that was basically what I was doing all summer. And now I'm kind of transitioning more into like, some more cardio, some more running for the marathon and stuff like that. But you know, my framework for all of it is just, you got to do what works for you. And for me, like I like getting up early. I like having time and space for myself. I like going to the gym and just like not really talking to a bunch of people and just kind of getting into my own head. And, um, that time at like early in the morning for that is, is huge. And then come back and do some work, um, get a meal in around midday and just kind of structure my work around that where it's like creative work in the morning, afternoon, more like meetings and talking to people, podcasts, things like that. And that's just how my brain operates. Like I like to do the most important things in the morning that require me to sit down and be focused and then allow my brain to just like be a little bit more scattered in the afternoon and, um, you know, have conversations, be social, um, have calls with people, things like that. I think that's important to analyze that routine or yourself as well because and that's probably something I could do better. But it's it's yeah, you get this influx of, you know, creative work or just maybe like responsive work. And sometimes, yeah, you're better off doing that first thing in the morning. Some people ten AM, some people two PM, some people are more creative after the sun goes down. For me, I, I noticed for sure that um, I just wanted to be like outside as much as possible in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't, I quit my gym membership. I've mostly just been doing calisthenics outside and then hiking, trail running occasionally. And yeah, I don't think I've lost much muscle or felt like I'm weak or anything like that. I mean, I'm probably weak on like big heavy lifts, but it's just goes to show that you don't really have to do much. Like you could just do like, 200 push-ups and 100 pull-ups like three times a week and you'll probably be good for yeah. you know maintaining strength at least and and maybe if that was a weak point for you you build it up so i would say that people should 
Yeah, think about this. And and it's easy in this like fitness culture to think you need to really like work out for like two hours a day, six, seven days a week. It's unnecessary. I mean, if you are training for something or you really have specific goals, by all means, like go off. But even just going for a run, like 15 minutes and then just doing push-ups and pull-ups, like you're doing pretty well. And, and you could crank them out. Like what I was doing is all right, how many can I do in like 10 minutes? Or, you know, how fast can I do 50 pull-ups and 100 push-ups? And, you know, I can do that in less than 10 minutes. And bam, you know, I do warm up a little bit, but it's like I can warm up, you know, shit post on Twitter or like answer an email or something, you know. <laughs> so it's it's fun to kind of get in that um, experimental regimen. And I know Noah posts a lot about this. He's like, sometimes I just like to see like what I can get away with and how it affects my body and things like that. So I'm in that kind of tinkering stage as well. And I've really enjoyed not being in a gym, working out mostly outside. Cause again, it's compounding the things that like I want to do. It's I want to work out and I want to be outside more. <clears throat> All right. It just makes sense to work out outside. Dude. Kill two birds with one stone. It makes so much more sense. And then you do it with a buddy and you and then you have like some camaraderie and some bonding. And it's like, yeah, then you're you're scratching three inches at once. Yeah, I don't have that <clears throat> that many uh friends in Wyoming, unfortunately. But occasionally, yeah, ripping a lot of hikes, meeting up with people for the more intense stuff. And yeah, it's just fun when you can do it with folks and community is so big and then you can push as well a little harder. So I think it's I think it's fantastic. But yeah, maybe if you guys ever want to do like a little trail race competition, dude. I'll challenge you and Brett. Because I ran I ran my first ever trail race this summer <clears throat> in Jackson Hole. Yeah. It was hard. It was really fucking hard. Um running up a mountain. But it was fun. And to me, it is a little bit different than I've run a marathon before too. And I know you like the mountains and you ski. So mm-hmm. it's just like a different thing um i almost think it's harder because there's not this like flow that you get into just running on asphalt like you you have to almost really dig deep to prevent yourself from walking uphill and then downhill you just have to make sure you don't run as so fast that you just fall down the hill and there's like rocks and things everywhere i don't know it's a fun time so there's more of a a technical component to it so your mind at least i felt this way when i did a trail race my mind was so much more active the entire race because yeah really you can't let your focus go away you need to be paying attention to everything yeah so maybe yeah maybe we should uh get one on the calendar that would be fun because uh i'm not i don't know if i'm a fan for like the super super long distances but maybe just like a fun, like shorter one. I did a 15K. I honestly thought that was like awesome. But anything above, distance. yeah, anything above like 50K or 50K or above, I don't know if I could do that um, really. <laughs> but uh, it's it's great just being out in nature too. Like, like I said, I think it's very underrated. I think you guys, a lot of people in Austin do that inherently and they don't even mm-hmm. think about the benefits really that it, that it brings to the table. And hundred percent. I, I think it moves the needle quite a bit, but sweet man. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, we'll definitely, well, Ryan's going to be in Austin. I'll definitely need to get down to Austin soon, but more importantly, where can people find everything that you're doing? Assuming they're not already following all of your stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. So I'm uh, meet mafia Harry on Twitter or X, uh, 
the Meat Mafia podcast on Instagram. And then we've got the Meat Mafia podcast on Spotify and Apple. So if you guys uh, want to go check that out, please do. I appreciate uh, all the love and support. And then Noble is its own website or yes. where can yeah, we find so it? NobleOrigins.com for our uh, all-in-one protein powder. Uh, you can also check it out. Uh, Eat Noble Origins on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to link that all in the show notes. But yeah, it's really cool stuff. Keep on churning. You guys are doing some amazing work down there. And yeah, look forward to connecting in person whenever we can. So thanks Appreciate so much for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Decentralized Radio. We'll see you next time.